honest. 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh my goodness. Intensity is not a perfume. Take that home run chain back. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen here with you. Eight days from opening day, Brendan. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. It snuck up on us like it does every single year. I think this year more than most, honestly. I would agree. I feel like it really snuck up on us. Well, especially because last year we were waiting for spring training to get started. A little extra time than normal. And yeah. then the season started a week late. So we were chomping at the bit, I think, to get to opening day. And I'll tell you, I know last year we had four weeks of spring training because it was abbreviated. Maybe we could go back to that. Wow. Six weeks. Sake. Is, six weeks is long. I know I know the, the primary focus is for the players to make sure that they ramp up healthily and and with enough time. Yeah. But boy, spring training. Once you get to the last couple of weeks, it just feels like it's dragging. Or we could just make sure that the World Baseball Classic is every year. Because that so seems that, like a fun cap-off to spring training. It got us through kind of the lean times right. of spring training. And now there's like a weird week in between the end of the World Baseball Classic, the start of the regular season, exactly. where there's not any exciting baseball, which is kind of a bummer. Well, I, I, got, I got to see some exciting baseball, Brendan, over the weekend. You sure did. I saw Texas A&M, LSU. Let me tell you, no team has a more rent-free spot in Texas A&M's head than the University of Texas or Texas U, wow, as they call it. Shots have been fired. I mean, the, their whole their whole fight song is about Texas. Yeah, it starts with I, I had no idea how how deep this this rivalry ran, but it, it starts with goodbye to uh, Texas University, so long to the orange and the white, and then they talk about sawing off the horns right. of the Texas Longhorn. And now I'm not too familiar with it, but I can't imagine that Texas's fight song is. That anti-Texas A&M. No, but their their fight song is The Eyes of Texas Are Upon You. Sure. And A&M sings The Eyes of Texas Are Upon You in their song because then they use it to say, that's the song they sing so well, sounds like hell. It's Yeah, that's that's rent-free. It, it's total rent-free. I mean, yeah. imagine if the Orioles, if Orioles' magic was just about the Yankees. And the <laughs> Yankees were like, we don't care about this. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating wow. how deep that rivalry is down there. Yeah. Uh, all right, Brendan. If you're watching on Facebook and on YouTube, you can see in front of us another whiteboard with more lines. Well done. Thank you. You you, you crafted these perfectly for our all 2023 Orioles draft, Brendan. Yeah. We are going to be drafting, we hinted at it last week, this team, the current 2023 team, and trying to create two full rosters, well, sort of full rosters, of players this year that we think are going to be impactful. Yeah, and we're going to get to the Orioles stuff because as I'm now looking on Facebook, John comments, really here to find out about the O's. You two ramble on too much with what interests you. I mean, a good thing I put A&M in the caption. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we can no longer take that three minutes at the beginning of the podcast. So here's the thing. It's called a podcast <laughs> for a reason. We can talk about whatever we'd like. We could, but we're going to talk about the Orioles. We're going to do exactly. a fantasy draft of mostly the 40-man roster, but players that we think could make the big league team at some point this year. For example, I'm sure Colton Kowser will be drafted at some point 
in this fantasy draft. He is not currently on the 40-man roster, but we are anticipating that he will make his big league debut at some point in 2023. So it's more or less the 40-man roster, but basically just players that we think will be on the big league roster this year at some point. Including non-roster invitees to spring training as well. Guys like Franchi Cordero, they're going to be available and frankly might be drafted just because of the dearth of first baseman. We might see Anthony Santander, Taron Vavra be used at first base because of the lack of first baseman. It's a, it's yeah. a thing we've talked about before. The current Orioles probably won't have that problem. Unless, no. unless Ryan Mountcastle goes down with injury, the Orioles will be fine with one primary first baseman. But when we're trying to concoct two teams where we've got eight position players, one DH, four starting pitchers, and two relievers on each team, things might get a little thin. Yeah, and Anthony Santander will probably end up being a first baseman or Taron Vavra, too, because Adley Rutschman and James McCann might get some run at first base this year, but they are going to be our catchers in some combination in this draft. They will not be playing first base for us. So more than likely, it leaves somebody who may not be playing much first base at first base here, but it's it's impressive, Paul. We always talk about this when we do the futures drafts with all the prospects. It's impressive that we can make two teams that are probably going to be pretty solid here out of the Orioles' current roster and guys that could be on the roster later on in the year. Yeah, so we're going to get to all this in just a few minutes, but, Brendan, we should have some spring training updates before we get into the draft. Yep. Let's start with Mike Bauman being moved to the bullpen full-time. Now, he has been considered a starting candidate. We've seen him start games for the Orioles. We've seen him come out of the bullpen in games for the Orioles. But now he is going to be used primarily in short relief. And I think this is the right time to be making this move. Because we've seen, we talked about last week and on other podcasts, how we've seen so many pitching prospects that the Orioles have had sort of flame out. This is one of those instances where I think the Orioles are trying to get ahead of it. So they're taking a 27-year-old righty, one of their former top 30 prospects, who clearly was not going to be a starter on this team and probably not a starter in 2024 or beyond because he's blocked by so many guys. And they're trying to get what they can out of him. He's already on the 40-man roster. They don't want to DFA him. And if he were to be starting games in AAA this year, it would be a little bit of a waste of a 40-man spot. Yeah, this is a combination of a few things. The first one, as you mentioned, Paul, if the Orioles need another starter this year, Mike Bauman is not going to be the next call, more than likely. If somebody in the current projected starting rotation goes down, you're looking at Tyler Wells, Austin Voth, Spencer Watkins, D.L. Hall, Bruce Zimmerman, yeah. and then probably Mike Bauman would be your sixth option at that point. He might be ahead of Zimmerman, but it's close. Somewhere not yeah. towards the top of the list exactly. is the point there. They're going to have to go through a lot of guys. Right. And Mike Bauman's ceiling was never a top end of the rotation kind of guy. His ceiling was a number four, number five starter at the big leagues. If he turns into a quality reliever, you're still pretty happy with the development and growth of Mike Bauman in that case. And he's kind of right squarely on the roster bubble at this point when you put him in the bullpen. Because when you have Dylan Tate, who's going to be out the first month of the season, that creates an opening spot. Uh, You have Felix Bautista, who I think he's going to be ready for opening day, but might take a week or two for him to get back. You're talking about a bullpen that is going to have Keegan Aiken. You're going to have Michael Gibbons in that bullpen. You're going to have CNL Perez. There are a, a few more spots up for grabs. You can throw Austin Voth in that conversation, Joey Crable, Rule 5 draft pick Andrew Politi. And then I think Bauman's right on the bubble there. 
And if they want to take somebody who is a short, another short relief righty like Bauman over a longer relief or a spot starter guy like Austin Voth, that would be their thing to consider. I think because Bauman has options left, they would probably take Voth in this instance. But who's to say? Yeah, it seems like the bullpen right now, we haven't talked about a ton of spring training battles just because there haven't been a lot of them. Yeah. As of right now, it kind of seems like there's seven spots more or less locked down in the bullpen. We talked about Keegan Aiken coming into the spring, maybe being on the bubble a little bit. I think he has pretty much solidified his spot. Austin Voth, as you mentioned, has struggled a little bit this spring, but I think he's probably still a bullpen piece given what he was able to give you a season ago. So I think there's really only the eighth spot in the bullpen up for grabs right now, and I'd probably put that between Joey Crable, Andrew Politi, and Mike Bauman. Yeah. I think those are the three guys that are still in contention for that last spot. Well, one guy who will not be in contention for that last spot is Darwinson Hernandez, who was sent down to minor league camp. So there was a lefty that's taken out of that bullpen potentially. The Orioles are going to have Perez in that bullpen and Aiken. Whether or not they want a third lefty may determine who gets that final spot. Right, and Brandon Hyde has been a little bit wishy-washy too on DL Hall. We've heard all spring long that the plan for DL is going to be make him a starter by whatever means necessary in terms of starting up at the big leagues or starting a triple-A Norfolk as a starter. But now, after D.L. Hall was shut down for a little bit, he finally comes back. It seems like Brandon Hyde is saying that they're keeping their options open with D.L. Hall a little bit. So is he going to grab that eighth bullpen spot? Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. I mean, I I think we are on the same page here, Brendan, and we want to keep him a starter. Right, stick to the starting plan. Yeah, and we would send him down to AAA, especially because he missed roughly the first month of spring training. Make sure that you build his innings back up. There's no reason to stunt his development by throwing him back in the bullpen to start the year, especially because if you wanted to switch him back to starter, that would be a difficult transition. So he's out of the conversation, not out of the conversation, but I think if we were making the bullpen, he would be. And Nick Vespi is certainly out of the conversation. He was sent to minor league camp, so there's another lefty off the board. Bruce Zimmerman, who is going to be a starter, going to be a spot starter, I think, if he's going to be used at all in the big leagues this year. He was sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, And then Lewin Diaz, one guy taken out of the first base, the backup first base competition. He started off the spring really well, cooled down, and then had a shoulder injury that kept him out. Yeah, he's been pretty good, but Franchi Cordero has been playing like an alien sent to earth exclusively to play baseball. I mean, he's hitting exclusively 500 spring training baseball, spring training baseball. He's hitting 500 with an OPS close to 1300 right now. Yeah. Ryan O'Hearn is playing pretty well too. So, you know, Lewin Diaz still played pretty well this spring, but Cordero and O'Hearn have just been unreal. But here's the thing about spring training. And this is why you can't read too much into spring training stats. Cordero's hitting 500 and he probably still won't make the team. No. Because he still has to get over the hurdle of not being on the 40-man roster. So the Orioles would have to add him to the 40-man. And they would probably have to start Taron Vavra in the minor leagues. Right. When it comes down to it, it's a question of, okay, would you rather have Franchi Cordero, who's hitting, yes, 500 in spring training, or do you want to send Taron Vavra down to the minor leagues when he had a great on-base percentage last year, showed you a lot of flashes at the big league level, He's younger. He's a better prospect right now than Cordero. Like, do you really want to send Taron Vavra down? Yeah. Because Cordero's hitting 500. I like Franchi Cordero. It's impressive what he's done in spring training, and I'm sure he'll probably get 
some big league opportunities at some point, but not the expense of Taron Vavra. I'm sure it's frustrating for him because what else could he have done this spring right. to earn himself a spot? But then you think he's played in, what, 13 spring training games? Does that outweigh the 227 big league games that we've already seen from him? You can't overvalue 13 games against guys who are going to be on the roster bubble themselves. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to look at the box score and say, who did he hit this home run off? Who did he get these hits off? And that's why you can't take things like Heston Kerstad with an OPS of like 1.3 and say that this guy is ready for AAA or overvalue these kind of stats just because the level of competition, the sample size are not the same. Yeah, Damon on YouTube saying, how about Franchi over McKenna? who only offers late-inning defense, I think that's really undervaluing Ryan McKenna. He can play quality defense at all three outfield positions. He's a good pinch runner. He has good splits against left-handed pitching, so he's a good supplement for Cedric Mullins. If he needs a day off, you'd probably bench him against a left-handed starter, and Ryan McKenna has some pretty good splits against lefties last year. So I think that's undervaluing Ryan McKenna to say that he's just a late-inning defensive replacement. That's still a very valuable player who can play any three outfield positions pretty well. Yeah, and being a pinch runner, I mean, I know they have Mateo and Mullins who offer a lot of speed, but McKenna was used as a pinch runner at times as well, and and that's a very valuable thing as well. And he's your only right-handed hitting outfield option at this point because Kyle Stowers is a lefty. Adam Frazier and Taron Vavra can both play a corner outfield, but they're also both lefties. So Ryan McKenna would be your right-handed replacement. Exactly, which we saw Brandon Hyde use near the end of last year when Mullins was struggling as much as he did against lefties especially. Right. And I think Ryan McKenna will be drafted in our oh, all, he definitely will. He will be drafted in our all 2023 Orioles draft. Well, Brendan, are you ready to get this thing started? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Well, we didn't broadcast live the draft lottery. We should have put it on television. That should have been a primetime spot. That's a missed opportunity for us. It really is. Um, I know we would have gotten a lot of viewers, but the coin flip went my way. Yeah. I select- I'm still contesting it. We don't have it on video. I am no. contesting the coin flip. It was a frozen coin. One right. side was frozen. Exactly. Uh, so I got the number one pick. This is a snake draft, which means I get one, you get two, three. Yep. And one rule that we made for this draft, Brandon, is that it's called the James McCann rule. And essentially... And let us start by saying, this is nothing against James McCann. No, We're not at all. put that out right there. James McCann will be Brendan's last pick. I'll just yes. go ahead and say this. Because... Adley Rutschman is going to be the number one pick in this draft. Whoa, spoiler. Uh, Spoiler alert before we even open the draft. Yeah. But essentially, the number of catchers beyond James McCann, it's going to be pretty light. We're talking Mark Colesbury, who's already sent down to minor league camp. We're talking Ben Boom. Maverick Handley. It's a thin list. Nothing against those guys. Yeah. But they probably won't see much, if any, big league action this year. So Adley Rutschman and James McCann are really the only two catchers that are going to see any sort of significant playing time barring injury. And then I could, if I wanted to, take Adley, if if this rule weren't in place, take Adley and McCann and put McCann at DH or McCann at first base and really box you out of a catcher. Right. That would be unfair. So then you would have to take McCann second or third overall, which would be a Big overdraft, and that would give me a massive advantage. And frankly, I'm going to have a pretty strong advantage to start anyway because I'm starting with Adley. Right. So, so that, the James McCann rule, he will be the last selection. In reality, he's probably somewhere in the middle rounds. He probably would probably go 8th through 10? Yeah, somewhere rounds 8 through 10. 
but today he will be the last pick. Yeah. All right. You ready for this thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to who you're going to draft. You haven't teased it in any way. No, I, I've kept it pretty, pretty under wraps. Yeah. And that's... I'm just going to start writing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The draft is officially open. I don't even need to take my allotted time on the clock here. I'm going to go ahead and select Adley Rushman, number one overall. Brendan, I think this is really the only real option. He was the Orioles' best player last season in his rookie year. He came up in mid-May, brought the team close to the playoffs, to the brink of the wild card, and was phenomenal. Yeah. He's, he's by far the best option, number one overall here. Yeah, has a has a very solid case to be the best player on the team. He has a solid case to be one of the best catchers in baseball, if not one of the best catchers in the American League. Adley Rutschman's the obvious pick. He was ranked as the number 41 player in baseball per MLB.com, which is the highest-ranked Oriole. So clearly, those around the league believe the same thing, that he is the best player to take. And he could get his first All-Star nod this season. Who's to say? I yeah. think next week, when we start getting into predictions on this podcast, we'll go into who might be All-Stars, and Adley tops the list. Absolutely. Brendan, you have 2-3 here. I do. Who would you like to take? Yeah, so my second pick is going to be the other Oriole that was on that MLB.com top 100 list. That is going to be my center fielder, Cedric Mullins. He had that unbelievable 30-30 season back in 2021. And last year, he was still very good. Had a 721 OPS, hit a 258 batting average. I don't know if Cedric Mullins is going to get back to that 30-30 season type of form, but he still plays excellent defense and is a great leadoff hitter. Cedric Mullins is my second overall pick. Brendan, I went all caps for Mullins. Should I have gone initial caps? I don't know. We've, re we've really got two differing strategies here. I mean, we did go first initial last name when putting these on the board. If you're not watching, you should be on Facebook and on YouTube. Should I should I switch or should you switch? I, you know, this is really a, your call based on how you want the board to it's, look here. It's going to bother me if one of us has caps and sure. the other one doesn't. So I'll switch it. So Cedric Mullins, my, my first pick here, I think he was the obvious selection at number two overall. Yeah. The third pick is interesting. I think there's two players that I could go with here. One of them, Gunnar Henderson. The other one, Anthony Santander. I think if I'm looking purely from a baseball player perspective, it's probably Anthony Santander, who put up some excellent numbers last year, hit 30-plus home runs. The plate discipline continued to improve. I think we'll see another great season from Anthony Santander. But that being said, I'm going to go with Gunnar Henderson. Wow, okay. For, what a, for many reasons, because I think Gunnar Henderson is going to have a great season this year, had a 788 OPS in just 34 big league games last year, had a war close to one already in just those 34 games. And I also didn't want you to have Gunner and Adley. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. I'll be honest, I thought you were going to go Gunner with the second pick, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, talk about a guy with a high ceiling on this team right now. Gunner Henderson offers you incredible upside, and then you have Cedric Mullins, who put up almost four war and people said it was a disappointment. I mean, some people, part of the fans. Fan Not base. us. Not us. No. Uh, I think those are two great picks right there, Brendan. Hey, thanks, Paul. Uh, good start to the draft. So you have Gunnar Henderson. I put him at short, but we may move him. Yep. Uh, and Cedric Mullins in center. Not going to be putting Gunnar Henderson at second base because no. this is the team that I'm making, and I will not subject Gunnar Henderson to playing the right side of the infield. That's so fair. he's either going to be shortstop or third base for me. And I think there's really a group of five here. At the top. So I'm okay with, with taking one, four, five, because I figured whoever you were going to take at two, three, you were going to leave me with two guys that are going to be pretty good. You mentioned one of them, 
Anthony Santander. Yep. I'm going to go ahead and take Anthony Santander next. At for right, right field, first base? For right now, let's put him at in right field. In right field. Right. Um, and I'll be honest, Brendan, I thought that because there was a lack of first baseman, I thought that you might take this guy with one, the second or third pick. And so I'm going to take him with the fifth pick, not to box you out, but because I think he's the next best guy available. No, I think it's I think it's the right pick. I and I we're on the same page with this group of five. So Ryan Mountcastle is going to be my next pick. I'm just surprised that you you let me do this to you. I know that there are other options available, uh, be beyond Mountcastle and Santander at first base. There's Vavra. There's the non roster invitees and Cordero, but. I, I thought you were going to take Mountcastle. Yeah, I considered it. I considered taking Anthony Santander with one of my picks and putting him at first base as well. But at the end of the day, I just think that Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson were both too good of players to let you pair with Adley Rutschman. Yeah. So I'm okay at this point conceding the first base spots, giving you Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander, the two top first basemen, because I think Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson were clearly the second and third best players on my board. Okay, so I have Adley Rutschman at catcher, Mountcastle at first, Santander in right field. You have Gunnar Henderson at short, Cedric Mullins in center. Who's going to be your next pick? Yeah, so these next picks get really interesting because you have kind of a jumble of infielders that are valued kind of similarly. You have a jumble of outfielders that are valued pretty similarly. And then you have the group of starting pitchers. And quite frankly, Paul, I don't really want to be the first one to take a starting pitcher because I don't think that there's one of them that is really separating themselves from the rest. So I'm going to take the two players that I think are separated the most in their respective positions. And the first one is going to be hopefully an elite closer for the Orioles this year, and that's Felix Bautista, who I'm going to take as my first reliever. I think this is the highest a reliever has probably ever gone in one of these drafts, but I think Felix Bautista is going to have a fantastic season. We saw all the stuff last year to convince me that he could potentially be an all-star this year and one of the better closers in baseball. So Felix Bautista is my first pick. Whether or not he starts on the opening day roster, he will be with the team very early in the month of April. And, uh, yeah, he he has a chance to be one of the most impactful players on this team going forward. And like you said, Brendan, that that group of starting pitchers, they have differences amongst them. You could say Grayson Rodriguez is young. We don't know what he's going to be. Kyle Gibson, they're hoping for a a bounce-back season. We don't know how good he's going to be. And because of their positives and negatives, they all kind of land in the same spot. Right. So I think both of us are going to kind of play the waiting game with those starting pitchers. Yeah. So you have back-to-back picks. You take Felix Bautista. Yep. Who's after that? And here again, I'm torn between two players, two position players that I think have higher value than the next guy behind them. But given how the board is shaking out right now, I want to solidify the left side of my infields, which is why I'm going to go with Ramona Rios. Won a gold glove at third base last year, had a 3.6 baseball reference war, had a 720 OPS, which was honestly a little bit better than I thought Ramona Rios had. A 720 OPS and a gold glove winner at third base. That's some really, really excellent numbers that I think we, we kind of undervalued throughout the entire year. The defensive metrics are off the charts. 
With Ramona Rios, the question mark, of course, becomes when you have guys like Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz coming up, is Ramona Rios able to lock down that spot? I think a gold glove defense at third base is going to help him a lot in terms of solidifying that spot in the corner. Maybe he doesn't get 120 games, but I think he probably plays at least 100. So Ramona Rios is my pick. I think that's, that is the correct pick there. I mean, think about what he did even in an injury-shortened season last year. Just an, an incredible two-way season that he put up for the Orioles. Yeah. Like you said, maybe undervalued, and I think it wasn't until late in the season that we really started to dig into his defensive stats and say, this guy could be a finalist for the gold glove. And you're just going, whoa, this guy could win the gold glove, <laughs> yeah. a position that he hadn't played. I mean, third base was not his primary position. We'd seen him at short, little bit at third, but mostly second base. And then he just takes the ball and runs with it. Right. All right. So Ramona Rios is at third. Gunnar Henderson is at short for you, Brendan. Mullins is in center. And Felix Bautista is your closer. That gives me back-to-back picks. I have catcher filled with Adley Rutschman. I got Ryan Mountcastle at first. I've got Anthony Santander in right field. And I'm going to take my shortstop here. And that's going to be Jorge Mateo. Ooh, okay. Uh, I think that you could look at this group of prospects behind Mateo and say... Between Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, you can find a quality shortstop. But I think that's undervaluing what Jorge Mateo brought to the team last year. You know, almost as much war as Ramon Arias. Of course, the bat was a problem at times. He needs to walk more. He needs to strike out less. The home run total was fine. He hit about 13 last year. That's okay. But was tops in the American League in steals. Played elite defense. Probably should have been at least a gold glove finalist at shortstop. And I like solidifying the most important position in my infield with a guy that I've seen do it before in the big leagues. Yeah, I had Mateo a bit lower on my board personally, but it's such a hard evaluation when you're looking at Mateo because, as you mentioned, on the one hand, this is a a three-and-a-half war player who probably could have been a gold glove winner at shortstop. But then again, the bat wasn't very good, and you have Jordan Westbrook and Joey Ortiz. So the question is really, how long is Jorge Mateo able to fend those guys off and keep his starting spot at shortstop? If the bat improves, it could be the entire season, and we could be looking at a four, four and a half, four player. Yeah. Because if the defense is still that good, he's still stealing a ton of bases, and if the bat improves marginally, that's an incredibly valuable player. Or he could lose his job by halfway through the year. Yeah, that's the high variance that Roy Mateo brings this season. And I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating storylines. Assuming the Orioles don't make another move before the end of spring training and deal one of their shortstops or one of their shortstop prospects. So I've got Jorge Mateo now at shortstop. And I'm going to add to my outfield next, Brendan. And I'm going to take Austin Hayes. Yep. In center or left? I'll put him in center for right now. Uh, maybe, you know, I'll take Ryan McKenna later and stick McKenna in center. So you may have to do some erasing. erasing. Uh, I may take Colton Kowser later. You never know. I still have a couple spots. But Hayes, I think, was the next guy on this big board yep. because he brought you about two and a half war last year. First half, great. Second half, not as much. And he's talked about in spring training, he tried to pull the ball perhaps a little bit too much in the second half of the season. It's consistency and it's health. It's the same two things that we've been talking about for Austin Hayes his entire career. And this is another guy, like Mateo, that has some variance. He could either be a three, three-and-a-half-war player this year and one of the better players on this team, 
or he may lose his job to Colton Cowser at some point over the course of the season. Yeah, Austin Hayes was the guy that I almost picked over Ramona Rios. I think he was pretty clearly the next best player on this board. As you mentioned, high variance again. Is yeah. he going to have the all-star caliber season that we saw in the first half of the year? Is he going to continue to struggle like we saw in the second half of the year and lose that job to somebody like Colton Cowser or even Kyle Stowers, who's already on the big league roster? Could go really either way for Austin Hayes, but I, I think it's going to be the former. I don't know if he'll have an all-star caliber season, but I think Austin Hayes will play well enough to keep his job. So I have Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, Jorge Mateo, Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander. Brendan, who are you going to add to this group of Ramona Rios, Gunnar Henderson, Cedric Mullins, and Felix Bautista? Yeah, we're at uh, another interesting spot here where I think all of the position players that I was looking at towards the top of my board are pretty much gone. Austin Hayes was the last one that I kind kind of had in that upper tier. Mm -hmm. This feels like maybe the time to start taking a swing on starting pitching. All right. And I might do it twice, Paul. Really? I think I'm going to take Dean Kramer. Wow. With my first pick here. I don't think there is a ton that separates Kramer from the rest of this group. But if you want to look at his numbers from last year, he had the best numbers out of any of these starting pitchers. He had a 323 ERA in 22 games in the bigs. He's not as much of a stuff guy as we thought he was. The strikeout numbers aren't there like they were there in the past. But Dean Kramer showed us enough last year where I am confident that he will be a very solid starter going into 2023. There's just not much that separates these guys other than personal opinion. Right. You know, do you think Dean Kramer can repeat that success? Do you think Grayrod will have... Sorry, not Gray Rod, G Rod. G Rod, as we've said before. Yeah. Will have a good rookie year. Do you think Cole Irvin is going to benefit from, you know, being the one lefty in this rotation? I think Kramer is a good pick there. I don't think there's really a right answer. I don't think there's a wrong answer for the first pick, yeah. for the first pitcher taken off the board. And I don't necessarily know if there's a correct answer for the second one. Yeah. Because in my mind, I've got a group of Grayson Rodriguez, Cole Irvin, and Kyle Bradish. <laughs> as possibilities here to take for my second starting pitcher. Kyle Bradish, we saw some excellent flashes from last year. Cole Irvin was very solid number numbers-wise, but didn't fare well on the road last year. So what is Cole Irvin going to do at Oriole Park at Camden Yards? I'm going to go with my gut here, and my gut says Grayson Rodriguez. All right. I know that the spring training numbers for G-Rod have not been fantastic. They haven't been as dominant as we maybe expected out of Grayson Rodriguez, but you just can't overlook what he did in AAA last year. You can't overlook the fact that he is still one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. You can make a case that he is the best pitching prospect in baseball. And I keep looking back last year to some guys that were even lower ranked on prospect rankings than Grayson Rodriguez, seeing what they did. Guys like George Kirby out in Seattle. I think Grayson Rodriguez could have a similar season I really like Kyle Bradish and the upside that he brings for this year. I think Cole Irvin is a very solid addition, but my gut just says that Grayson Rodriguez could come out and just absolutely shove. Yeah, you got two young, exciting righties. Yeah. To, and, and I like the fact that you double dip there so that you kind of mitigate the risk. I'm not going to double dip with pitching next, Brendan. I'm not going to fall into that trap of, of taking, you know, just going in one position. I think... We often do this in drafts where we see a run on something. Yeah. I'm going to slow things down, and I'm going to move back to my position players. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and take 
Hmm, let me think about this. <laughs> this you is had, the you point had a whole big speech. I like how prepared you were for it. Of I'm not. I'm gonna slow the roll. Yep. I'm not going to take another pitcher here. I'm, I'm gonna hold up. I'm gonna take a position player. But wait, hold on. Maybe I'm not. I am gonna take a position. Oh, you players. are. I'm gonna go back to the outfield, Brendan. Okay. I'm gonna take Kyle Stowers next. Uh, I think that he has the potential to be, uh, you know, a power bat from the left side. I think he has the potential to hit the flag court a couple times. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get this season. I think we may have to see an injury for him to get an extended look in the outfield, but I do think he could play, could, could get some games at DH. I don't know exactly how things are going to shake out, but I like what Kyle Stowers offers you in terms of upside this season. So I'm going to put him in left field. Yep. So I have Kyle Stowers in left, Austin Hayes in center, and Anthony Santander in right. That's a great outfield. And Kyle Stowers as a power-hitting lefty. You've got a nice mix here of a power-hitting lefty, power-hitting switch hitter, and then a solid right-handed bat who can play some good center field defense. I like the outfield here, Paul. And I might continue to go position player. Wow. Because I just don't feel great about the other pitching options right now. And now that you have two pitchers, I feel like you're probably not going to take too many pitchers. I mean, Yeah, but I could just take two more on the other swing and you just could. really get a heck of a starting rotation. You could, but I'm going to go back to my position players here. Right okay. Now. Am I? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and take Adam Frazier as my second baseman. Okay. Uh, so this is not to box you out, Brendan. He's just the next player on my big board. I think Adam Frazier, he's going to be your opening day second baseman. He has outfield versatility and he is guaranteed to be on this team to start the year, which you can't say about too many other guys yeah. who are left. So Adam Frazier is going to be my second baseman. I have Adley Rutschman catching, Ryan Mountcastle at first, Frazier at second, Jorge Mateo at shortstop, Kyle Stowers, Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander in the outfield. Yet to take a pitcher, you've taken two starting pitchers and one reliever. Are you going to step on my neck here and take more pitchers? <laughs> he was, I'm really thinking about are it. Are you? I mean, you have left me... Any starting pitcher of my choosing here, I could really have a heck of a top three if I wanted to. I'm looking at your team, and I just don't know if you're going to take another position player, but you certainly could. I could. And I could be in a really tough spot. So I think... This mm, is the game that we play with each other. It's it a head game. It, it really is, because if I don't take two position players here, you could... Very easily take somebody that I want yep. at DH. And I think there is a pretty big gap between the two position players that I have and the next position player. Mm -hmm. But I could also just really make your starting rotation not look so good. You could. Ah, decisions. That would decisions, be. If decisions. you were to take two position players, that would be letting me get away with not taking two pitchers in the last it one. It would. And, but so now I you, feel like you're baiting me here, Paul. No, now, dude. I mean, I don't know, Brendan. Do we have a clock here? You always talk about how I take long with these I picks. I know it. I really do. You know what, Paul? Somebody I'm gonna said... Take, I'm going to take one starting pitcher here, and it's going to be Kyle Bradish. Okay. And I don't want to let you get away with not taking yeah. a starting pitcher in your last two rounds. I really like your Kyle Stowers and Adam Frazier picks. I had them pretty high on my board as well, but I have Kyle Bradish. And Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, and Kyle Bradish were the top three pitchers on my board 
Kyle Bradish had a 4.90 ERA. I forgot. Last I have year. to do the right. You here. sure do. <laughs> 4.90 ERA in 23 big league games last year. Had some absolutely masterful starts. We saw towards the end of the year in September, he had that incredible start against the Houston Astros, the eventual champion Houston Astros, where he goes eight and two thirds, ten strikeouts, no walks, almost gets a complete game. So uh, Kyle Bradish as my third starting pitcher, I am feeling great about. Okay, not feeling so great about my lineup. Yeah. And so I absolutely need to take a position player here. Few different ways I could go. I'm afraid that you are going to take my last first base option. Yeah. Not so, your last first base. Not option. my last first base option, but the last first base option that I would be happy with. And that's going to be Taryn Vavra. Taryn Vavra showed you a lot of really good things at the big leagues last year. I've always been a Taryn Vavra guy. I've always been talking him up on this podcast, especially was when he was in the minor leagues. Not saying that he is the type of hitter that Adley Rutschman is, but his at-bats remind you of Adley Rutschman, where he's going to make fantastic swing decisions. He's going to get on base a ton. Not going to hit for a ton of power. We might not see more than five home runs from Taron Vaber this season. Yeah. But his defensive versatility, you could see him at first, second, a corner outfield. He's a very valuable player because of what he gives you at the plate. And I did not want to lose out on Taron Vaber as a potential first base option here for me. I lose out on a position player that I wanted that I think you'll probably take. But with Kyle Bradish and Taron Vaber, I think I took the two best players that I had remaining. That's interesting. You think I'm going to take a position player here? Uh, you could. I have no pitchers. <laughs> right. Keep that in mind. Uh, yeah. And if I were to take one pitcher here and leave you with another starting pitcher, I could really be boxing myself in. You could. I think Vavra's a good pick there. I don't think I was going to be that much of a jerk and box you out. But you had to safeguard for that possibility. And for for the integrity of the draft, I didn't want to just take another starting pitcher yeah. and say, well, Paul's not going to take another position player because you very well could have. Yeah. And you could have put Taron Vavra at DH or somewhere else that you wanted to, and it, you would have been well within your rights to do so. I would have been. Well, I do need to address starting pitching. You really do. You <laughs> well, really do. Somebody in the chat said, Paul, go in the Michael Elias route by drafting all position players oh. like he does in the first round. Topical. Uh, all right, so... My lineup is looking darn good. I got Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, Adam Frazier, Jorge Mateo. In my outfield, I have Stowers, Hayes, and Santander. I need a starting pitcher. You sure do. And I'm going to take the guy who is, I think at this point, going to be the Orioles opening day starter, and that's Kyle Gibson. Yep. Frankly, the variance for Gibson, even though he has so much sample size under his belt in the big leagues, might be just as much as some of the young guys in this rotation. Yeah. Just because he looked so good in his all-star year two years ago for the first half and struggled so much with the Phillies in the second half of the season and struggled the entire year for the Phillies in 2022. Will the Orioles and their improved infield defense be able to help him out? Will the new pitching coaching staff that he is embracing here, will that be able to help him out with Chris Holt leading the way? I think Kyle Gibson is going to be better than his 5-plus ERA last year, but I don't know how low that thing can go. However, I think he's the best option available. I think he's probably going to be the Orioles' opening day starter, so I'm taking Kyle Gibson. Well, look, I just wish that Kyle Gibson were pitching for my team here because I've got Gunnar Henderson and Ramon Arias on the left side of my infield, and for a ground ball pitcher, that's just that's heaven for Kyle Gibson. So he will get that this year 
in Baltimore with a heck of an infield defense. And I think you're right. I think Kyle Gibson's numbers will improve with a much improved defense behind him as a ground ball pitcher. So I like the Kyle Gibson pick. All right. And then I could keep going and make an, an infield of death if I really wanted to. Yep. However, I need to take another pitcher. You do. I just can't I just can't count on you not Screwing me over, because I know that you would if well, you were given the opportunity. Well, look, to be totally honest, Paul, the two players that I have on my board, highest ranked, are pitchers. Okay. So if I was sticking to my board, it, I would probably have to take a pitcher. And me too. I yeah. mean, the, the the other pitcher here is going to be somebody who's guaranteed to be in this rotation to start the year. And it's the only lefty right now, and that's going to be Cole Irvin. Yep. So I got the two acquisitions that Michael Elias made in his rotation this year are going to be my one-two. Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin. Another guy that I think has pretty high variance. I think there are some serious concerns when you look at his numbers from last year with Oakland, pitching on the road, like you mentioned, Brendan. His numbers in the Coliseum were way better than they were elsewhere. I think the Orioles clearly like something about Irvin. They saw something in him that they feel like they can work with. Talk about infield defense. I'm sure Oakland didn't have the best of infield defense last year. Maybe he could benefit from that as well. They gave up Daryl Hernandez to get him, so they must like him. I got Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson in my rotation. Yeah, those are good picks because if it got to me, I would kind of have to take Kyle Gibson or Cole Irvin because yeah. they were the two best players remaining on my board. This leaves me in kind of a fun spot, Paul, where a lot of the position players that we know are going to make the opening day roster have been taken. Yeah. So I can maybe start dipping into some prospects. You could. That I think we'll see at some point this season. These are weird picks because we don't know how much we will see them, if at all. But I am pretty confident that we will see the two guys that I'm going to pick here. The first one is going to be Jordan Westberg, okay. who I'm going to select and put at second base. Jordan Westberg was the Orioles minor league player of the year last year. And I'm pretty confident that we will see Jordan Westberg. Because he already has 91 games at AAA Norfolk under his belt. He can play second base. He can play third base. He can play shortstop. And he has shown in the spring that he is a pretty quality hitter. So Jordan Westberg may not have one tool that jumps out, but I think he can be a really solid big league player. And I think he'll contribute in Baltimore this year. Yeah, is his sample size in spring. I think the hype around Joey Ortiz, who I think might be drafted later on, has been building. And that train has taken off and is going 100 miles an hour. And it almost makes you forget about Jordan Westbrook just because he's quietly solid at all things. Yep. And, you know, he was drafted higher than Joey Ortiz in a different draft. But the Orioles like what they saw in a, a polished college bat when they took him. And he's been everything that they've expected from him since they took him from Mississippi State. Yeah, an 852 OPS in 138 games in total last year. And another guy who... The future of Jorge Mateo is depending on, and, and vice versa. I mean, this is a an interesting situation this year to see if Jorge Mateo continues to hold his job with Joey, or, with Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westberg right behind him. How well does, you know, Westberg hit in AAA to put the heat on for Mateo? And we could see Jordan Westberg play 100 games this year if the Orioles decide to move on from Jorge Mateo. I could see a scenario where he doesn't play a big league game this year. Yeah. I don't think it's likely. I think he's going to get his big league call up this year. But there's a scenario in which Jordan Westbrook doesn't play a single big league game this year. It's possible. It's entirely possible. And I still need more position players, Paul. Yeah. 
I already have three of the Orioles' top five prospects, according to MLB Pipeline in their top 30. How about another? I'm going to take Colton Kowser, and I'm going to put him... You can put him in whatever corner outfield you feel How like about there, the expanded Paul? left field? Because he's a center fielder by trade. I, th- I think that's a, a solid call there for Colton Kowser. Only got 27 games at AAA Norfolk last year. Did have a 767 OPS there, which is pretty solid. An 874 OPS on the season last year between three different levels of the minor leagues. He is the Orioles' fourth-ranked prospect in their top 30. He's going to get on base a ton. Had an on-base percentage over 400 last year. He's going to play solid defense for you. Got to cut down on the strikeouts, but he's going to give you solid pop, a great on-base percentage, and great defense. There's a reason Colton Kowser was viewed as a potential five-tool player coming out of college, and now he's my left fielder. I think that's a good pick. I think that uh, you still have a spot open in the outfield. You have a spot open at DH, but why don't you run down your team so I can stall and think about who I have or yeah. can take? Yeah, at first base, I've got Taryn Vavra, well-known first baseman Taryn Vavra. Yeah. Second base, Jordan Westberg. He just at appeared third base. in a game in, in spring training at first base. There we go. At third base, the gold glover, Ramona Rios. Shortstop, the young and exciting Gunnar Henderson. In the outfield, I've got Colton Kowser patrolling the new left field at Camden Yards. Cedric Mullins locking down center. My starting rotations, pretty solid top three. Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, and Kyle Brown. Radish, and then my closer, Paul, Felix Bautista. Would you like me to run through your team so you can keep stalling? Please do. (laughs) Well, he's got Adley Rutschman at catcher, the face of the franchise, Ryan Mountcastle at first base with Adam Frazier at second, Jorge Mateo, the maybe gold glover at shortstop, the outfield, Kyle Stowers, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander. It's a stacked outfield. Thank you. And then in the starting rotation, you've got Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin. No relievers yet. Still need a DH. Still need a third baseman. I think I might double dip on pitching. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do it. Never mind. He's considering it. I do want to take my third baseman here, and I might just double up on defense. I already have Jorge Mateo, who's a potential gold glover at shortstop, and I might just dip right back into that defense, Brendan. Go dipping. And I'm going to take Joey Ortiz next. Yeah. I don't know who else I would have taken at third base had you taken Joey Ortiz. I don't know how close you were to taking him because you don't really have room for him. I mean, you could move Gunnar Henderson to DH yeah, maybe. Really, my only solution there would have been to move Gunnar Henderson to DH because I've got Ramona Rios, who's a gold glover at yeah. third base, and Jordan Westberg, who plays a very solid defensive second base. So I wouldn't want to box any of, guys, any of those guys from out playing defense. No, but... I just can't take that risk because other than Joey Ortiz, I mean, who's the next available guy at third base? Is there one? I, I, nobody on my board. I can't re- make that risk. I mean, I, don't, I legitimately don't know who I would have taken next at third base. There's nobody in AAA right now that's banging down the door for third base. No, and I mean, to be fair, I probably would not have taken Joey Ortiz because then right. you literally wouldn't have had any options at third base Thank unless you. you wanted to say, hey, maybe Kobe Mayo gets a, September cup of coffee, but yeah, I wouldn't have done that to you, Paul. Thank you. That's this very t- kind this of you. This is too civil of a podcast. Yeah, uh, but I, you know, we've seen it being done cough cough in the past. Connor Newcomb, uh, you know, boxing people out on certain uh, friend of the podcast, visit, friend of the pod. All right, so that means I have an excellent defensive shortstop and third base combination. You really, in Jorge Mateo and Joey Ortiz. I mean, look at the defense here between you have got Mateo and Ortiz on the left side of the infield. Yeah. I've got Gunner and Ramona Rios on the left side of the infield. Incredible. Holy the defense. And I could have, I mean, Connor Norby technically could probably play third, but he's never really done it. I don't think he played a single game at third base last year. So yeah, he's, he's not 
from what we have heard is also not fantastic at third base. Doesn't really have the arm, the arm. strength. Yeah. I mean, maybe I would take Kobe Mayo, who's may start the year in double A. We'll see. But I was going to be out of options. So I still have a DH spot. I still have two spots open in my rotation, and I have two reliever spots open. I'm going to go back into starting pitcher here, Brendan, and I'm going to take Tyler Wells yep. with my next pick. Uh, I could have double-dipped on pitching, but I like the fact that I'm taking another guy who, no, he may not start the year in the rotation just because you have five other guys who are going to be ahead of him, but I think he is. he showed in the first half of last year when he was probably the Orioles' best starter that he can be a quality starter. So health is going to be a big thing for Tyler Wells this year. How he adjusts back to that bullpen um you know, position that he was not in last year but was in the year before. So I'm going to go with Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, and Tyler Wells in my rotation. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid top three. Tyler Wells, we're not sure what his role is going to look like this year, but if he makes the starting rotation at some point this season, or even if he's a spot starter, we'll know he'll give you something solid. Yeah. All right, Brendan, back-to-back picks here. Back-to-back picks for me. And where am I going to go? I think I would like to fill out my starting rotation, and there is one starting pitcher left that I have above the rest, and that is D.L. Hall. I have a lot of faith in D.L. Hall this year. Even if he starts the year at AAA Norfolk, he is still one of the Orioles' top prospects. He is ranked seventh in the top 30 right now. I think if D.L. Hall starts the year at Norfolk, it is entirely possible that he goes down to AAA and absolutely shoves, and then the Orioles find a spot for him because his stuff is absolutely electric. We have seen it in flashes. He was excellent to end the year out of the bullpen last year. So if D.L. Hall makes this starting rotation, which I think he will by some point midway through the season is my guess, I think D.L. Hall could be a very effective starter this year, and I think he's a great kind of high upside option as my fourth starter. Definitely a high upside option. He was the other guy I was considering other than Joey Ortiz when I said I might go back-to-back with pitching. Yeah. Uh, and now you have a lefty to throw in with those three righties and Kramer, Rodriguez, and Bradish. You have, it's interesting, you have the young and exciting rotation. I've got the vets. Yeah. Now, now, Wells isn't, you know, Even a true the lineup vet. has kind of worked out that way. I've got Vavra, Westberg, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser. You've kind of got the, the veterans. Yeah, Mountcastle, Frazier, Mateo. Um, Hayes, Hayes, Santander. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how this shakes out. But you have another pick, Brendan. I do. And I could get the next best reliever on my board. However, I think there is one position player left that is better than the rest, and I need another outfielder. Okay. So I'm going to go with Ryan McKenna as my starting right fielder. McKenna, I think really kind of underratedly solid last year. The 634 OPS isn't really anything to write home about, but he was incredible anytime he got sent back down to AAA Norfolk. Clearly does not belong there plays a very, very solid outfield defense at any of those three spots. He's a solid defensive replacement if needed. As I mentioned before, he has good splits against left-handed pitching if Cedric Mullins needs an off day. And I already had two lefties in the outfield as well, in Colton Kowser and Cedric Mullins. So I'm happy to be getting Ryan McKenna, who gives you a solid baseline in the outfield. If he were to write home about his OPS, what, what would he write? Dearest mother. Dearest I have, mother. I have a 635 OPS this season. It's not awesome, but it'll do. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that my defense will allow me to re- maintain my spot on the big league roster. Take care of Pa for me. <laughs> <laughs> Until I see you again. 
That was our rendition of Ryan McKenna writing home about his 635 OPS. Thank you. You said it was nothing to write home about. So It's something to write home about. He could write home. Yeah. Um, they'd say, why'd you give me a handwritten letter and not a text? Um, all right. I think that's a good pick. The defense is certainly there for your outfield. You can mix and match Kowser, Mullins, McKenna in any three of those spots. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how Kowser is in big league center field perhaps this year, but we've seen him do it very well in the minors. So... What is that outfield going to look like? That's, who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. Will we ever see this combination of outfielders in the big leagues this year? It's possible. It's possible. I, I think we will. You you do? Yeah. I think it would take it would take injuries. It would probably take an injury or so to Austin Hayes. I think it's possible. And maybe Anthony Santander. But we could see a Colton Kowser, Cedric Mullins, Ryan McKenna outfield. You could make a pretty solid case that Kowser, Mullins, and McKenna are three of your four best defensive outfielders. You could. Absolutely. I mean, I think Austin Hayes is certainly in that conversation, but I think those three guys, even if we saw them in the eighth or ninth inning together as defensive replacements, I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, I have back-to-back picks here, and the beauty of you taking your last starting pitcher is I can wait on starting pitcher. You can. And uh, I don't think you can stick this the guy that I'm going to take in the bullpen. So that's good. I don't think you can stick him in the bullpen. I'll be honest. Uh, but I am going to go to the bullpen. Okay. And I'm going to take CNL Paris. Yep. Because he is the best option available. He is I'm not... I'm a really hard time getting around this mic. Yeah, yeah, you're struggling with it. Uh, he's, he's not 1A to Felix Bautista's 1, but he is a lefty. He had a 140 ERA last year. He's a perfect setup man for Bautista. And CNL Perez, I think, is the best option in the bullpen left. Yeah, I had CNL Perez pretty high on my board. He was a top 10 player for me. I just, I don't think he was as close to Felix Bautista. And I still think it's a solid pick here, though. Again, given the numbers last year, I mean, a 140 ERA in 66 games, that is certainly something to write home about. Yeah. I mean, what would he write? Anything he wanted <laughs> about that 140 ERA. Yeah. All right, well, then next up, Brendan, I have an open spot at DH. Is that right? That's right. So what I could do here is I have Anthony Santander in right field. I could move Santander to DH and take another outfielder. There aren't too many guys available right now. Not too many position players. I don't even know who I'm going to take here. All right, let me think about this. Sure. Do you want to stall and run through our rosters real quick? Oh, I sure will, Paul. Thank you. I've got Taryn Vavra at first, Jordan Westberg at second, Ramona Rios at third, and Gunnar Henderson at short, finishing out the infield. My outfield consists of Colton Kowser, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan McKenna. Still need a DH, still need a catcher, but my pitchers are almost done. My starting rotation is full of Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, and D.L. Hall with Felix Bautista as my closer. And as Paul is struggling <laughs> to find anybody to draft, I'll run through his lineup as well. Please. Catching Adley Rutschman at first base, Ryan Mountcastle. The infield, Adam Frazier, Joey Ortiz, and Jorge Mateo. That's a heck of a defensive left side of the infield as I'm trying to stall for I you, think Paul. I, I think I know who I'm going to take. I've go got ahead. an outfield of Kyle. Well, he has an outfield of Kyle Stowers, <laughs> Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander. His first three starting pitchers, Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, and Tyler Wells with his reliever, CNL Perez. My concern here is that I'm missing somebody. I don't think I'm missing anybody. No, I have three position players left on my board. Mm -hmm. One of them is James McCann. Two of them, one of them is a prospect who may not get called up this year. The other one is a non-roster invitee yeah. who just also may not play this year. Well, then that that's helpful to know because do I go with the recency bias 
and take Franchi Cordero here. Somebody who may not be on the big league team at all this year. Yep. Or do I go with the young swing and take Connor Norby here? Yeah, those are the two guys those that are I have the two left. Options. The problem is it's DH. And DH might fit Franchi Cordero because he doesn't play great defense. Yep. Better than it fits Connor Norby, who, from what we've heard, plays a solid second base. Talk it out here, Paul. So I think I'm going to go with the young guy. <laughs> and that's going to be... Franchi Cordero. Well, he's not the young one of the two, but I'll still give you <laughs> Franchi Cordero. I mean, look at look at my lineup. Ortiz is a righty. Mateo's a righty. Frazier's a lefty. Mountcastle. I'm just gonna go Cordero. I, I've already I'm made. Already writing it. Yeah, I I could have I could have backed out there, and then that leaves you probably you have to fill your DH spot. I do. It's gonna leave you with Connor Norby. Yep, and that's gonna be nice. But I I can't think of anybody but those people. To fill out my rotation, no, and, and Franchi, to fill out my lineup. Franchi Cordero, as you mentioned, has been unbelievable in spring training. But he just may not be on this team this year. But here's the thing. I, I don't think, if I had to guess right now, I don't think Connor Norby makes this team. I don't think so either, but he's At still going to be my designated hitter. Yeah, he is. He, he, he kind of has to be. He among, kinda, yeah. among players that I could be taking here, it's it's Connor Norby or Ryan O'Hearn or Lewin Diaz. And I'd just rather draft Connor Norby, even if he gets a cup of coffee in September. Don't know if he's going to make his big league debut this year, but I'd, I'd rather take Norby. Well, here's the thing. It's not your pick yet, Brandon. It's not. So settle down. I can't take anybody in my my positions, my diamond. Yeah. DH is full. I've got three starting pitchers, and I know that you're locked up in starting pitchers, so you can't take my guy, so I'm I not going to take them. So I'm going to take uh, reliever here, Brandon. Yep. And I am going to go with Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo Michael Gibbons. Okay. He's going to be my next guy. I think it's a toss-up between Gibbons and the other guy, who I think is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, is Dylan Tate in my mind. Yep. I have a lefty in Paris, so it's not like I need a lefty in that bullpen. The fact that Tate is going to miss the first month of the season might be the difference here. Yep. It was one of those two guys. I, I had them right around the same spot. And now that it is finally my pick, I will take Dylan Tate. As my second reliever. Okay. Even though he is missing the first month of the season, still had a better ERA than Michael Givens had last year at a 305. Had five saves in 67 games. Had the whip below one. It was at .991 last year, which is really impressive. If he only misses a month, Dylan Tate can come back, still get 50 games in. So still happy to have Dylan Tate as my second reliever here. And as you mentioned, I still need a designated hitter. There are two... Position players left on my board. One of them is James McCann, who I will draft with my last pick with the James McCann rule. And the other one is going to be Connor Norby. Yep. He is entering his age 23 season as the Orioles' ninth-ranked prospect in their top 30. Had an 886 OPS in 121 games between three levels of the minors last year. Had 29 home runs, four of which came in just his nine-game stint at AAA Norfolk. It is entirely possible and quite frankly probable that he gets the Jordan Westbrook treatment this year of playing a heck of a lot of games at AAA Norfolk without making his big league debut. But Connor Norby is my pick here because I would just rather have Connor Norby than a Ryan O'Hearn or a Lewin Diaz. Yeah. I think Franchi Cordero has the best chance to make the big league team at some point out of that group of non-roster invitees. But Connor Norby is continuing the trend of my team here of Orioles' top 10 prospects. I now have Westberg, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, Connor Norby, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, 
all as top 10 prospects in the Orioles system on my team. I think if Ryan Mountcastle, knock on wood, hopefully he doesn't, goes down with injury, then Cordero's probably the first call yep. from AAA Norfolk. I think it would take a lot of calls and a lot of injuries before Connor Norby gets reached, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. And maybe if he lights the world on fire like he did towards the end of last year, we could see him probably not super early, but August at best, probably. Well, he is maybe ahead. September. He is ahead of where Westberg was at this time last year. Because remember, last year, Westberg started the season in Bowie last year. Right. Norby's already gotten to Norfolk, so he already has a little bit of AAA experience under his belt. All right, my last pick, Brendan. It's going to be pretty easy. I have one starting pitcher spot open, that and I'm going to use it on John Means. He's going to be my second lefty in this rotation that already includes Cole Irvin, Kyle Gibson, Tyler Wells. People were saying in the chat, I'm surprised that Means lasted this long. Look, the fact that he's going to be missing half the season is the reason he lasted this long. However, when he comes back, he still has the potential to be the Orioles' number one starter by season's end. And from everything that we've heard, He's throwing change-ups now. He's certainly on the path to recovery. Could be back by mid-July. Once he comes back, I expect him to be a big part of this rotation. I like the value here. Yeah, Damon on YouTube asking, uh, don't really know the goal of this draft yeah. pertaining to why John Means hasn't been drafted. We are just trying to draft the best team for this year. So if it was a complete fantasy draft, then John Means would certainly... Have, well, he probably would have been the first starting pitcher off the board. Yeah, if, if he were healthy. If injuries weren't a thing. But John Means might not get more than 15 starts yeah. this year because he is hoping for a what, July comeback, yes. maybe, at this point. So John Means will be excellent for the second half of the season. We still have very high hopes for John Means despite the injury. But because we are trying to draft the best team for 2023, it just came down to would you rather have you know, a full season of Kyle Bradish or a full season of Tyler Wells or a half season of John Means. Do you want to do the honors? Take Mr. Irrelevant. I certainly will. And he is higher on my board than where he is getting selected right now. But I will be selecting James McCann as my McCatcher, if you will. McCatcher? He is. <laughs> Wait, can we do that from now on? James McCann is my James McCatcher? Yes. Yeah. Uh, McCann had a 538 OPS in just 61 games last year, but he has a career 777 OPS against lefties. Could be a very good platoon option for Adley Rutschman, who, by the way, is hitting lefties a lot better in spring training. Good defense. He was an all-star back in 2019. He is definitely an upgrade from the backup catcher situation that the Orioles had last year with Robinson, Chirinos, Anthony Bemboom, some combination there. James McCann was a big upgrade this offseason. I really like to get a veteran catcher with a very young starting rotation as well. So James McCann would have been drafted higher if not for the James McCann, McCatcher, McCant draft rule. <laughs> I can tell you right now, the first lineup post that I do from at Mass and Orioles this year that includes McCann at catcher is going to say James McCann is McCatching today. That's it. Look, it's, it's a brilliant. solid post. Is is it? Uh, did you come up with that yourself? I sure it? did. Oh, that's wow, the that's magic good. of these couches magic in the Mass and Orioles podcast of Orioles baseball. Wow. Yeah. Well, your lineup is looking terrific. Both these teams are looking terrific. Would you like to give us your entire roster now that the draft is complete? Oh, I sure would, Paul. Catching, I have my James McCann McCatcher. Mm -hmm. At first base, Taron Vavra. Second base, Jordan Westberg. The left side of my infield consists of Ramon Arias and Gunnar Henderson. In my outfield, I've got Colton Kowser, Cedric Mullins, and Ryan McKenna. DHing, Connor Norby. My pitching rotation, 
Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, and D.L. Hall. And my relievers are Felix Bautista and Dylan Tate because who needs a lefty? And I have the number one overall pick in the MLB draft and in the all 2023 Orioles draft. Which Adley Rutschman. important? You be the judge. Yeah, Adley Rutschman. I took him number one overall. He's my catcher. I have Ryan Malcastle at first, Adam Frazier at second. Joey Ortiz is at third base. Jorge Mateo is at shortstop. In my outfield, I have Kyle Stowers in that left field. I have Austin Hayes in center and Anthony Santander in right. My DH is Franchi Cordero. My rotation consists of two righties and two lefties. Kyle Gibson, Cole Irvin, Tyler Wells, and John Means. And my two relievers are CNL Perez and Michael Gibbons. I think these are two very solid teams, Paul. Who won? You be the judge. Yeah, I, I think we have, uh, whether this was strategy or not, two very different approaches to team building here. As I mentioned, I've got a bunch of top 10 prospects in the Orioles system but very high variance yeah. on my team. If all those guys live up to their ceiling, then I think my team could outperform yours. But if there's some combination of ceiling and floor and maybe not playing up to their full potential, your team, I think, is a lot safer with some of the veterans like Adam Frazier, Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, Gibson, Irvin. You have a pretty good sense of what you're going to get from those guys. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see exactly how much playing time all the guys on this uh, board get this season but I'll tell you what we didn't do this draft last year we ran out of time in spring training we did it two years ago I feel so much better about these two rosters today than I did two years ago yeah don't you, go back and look up how high Yolmer Sanchez you was took Yolmer Sanchez very high but at the time we thought he you was going to be he was going to be the opening day second baseman right that these ended are, up these not are being two very good teams yeah uh, Jemai Jones was drafted pretty high that year I think by me yeah it was just not good these are very good teams and I think you know, it, theoretically, if you were to run out this year, this lineup... The one that I have? Right. I, I, either of them, really. If you were to run out this lineup and say, hey, there's been a few injuries, a few defensive replacements with uh, Kyle Gibson or Nicole Irvin on the mound, you, you'd feel pretty good about this lineup this year. Uh, well, I mean, you, you, uh, if we were to tweet that lineup, I think we'd get ratioed. But, Maybe, <laughs> but, but you wouldn't feel awful you about wouldn't, it. You wouldn't feel awful, I'll tell you that much. No. If... if Thanos snapped his fingers and half the Orioles roster disappeared, then you would feel like, okay, this is pretty good. Yeah, you'd, I think you'd feel fine about this. Yeah. This is, we're, we're going to call this the snap right. rosters. Sure. All right. That makes sense. You be the judge. Let us know who won this draft. At Paul Mancano is my Twitter handle. At Brendan Morty is his. Uh, maybe we'll be tweeting out these lineups for you to judge. Who knows? Maybe. We kind of have our hands full for the next eight days, so yeah. we'll see if we have time Why? for What's it. happening? Uh, opening day. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you give a thumbs up on YouTube, like, subscribe, give us five stars on any of your podcast platforms that you listen to this, and of course, watch it every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on Facebook and on YouTube. Thanks so much to Bobby Blanco for producing this podcast, and we will be back next week, the week of opening day. <laughs>